So let's pray together. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for pursuing us. That before the foundation of the earth, you knew that the very people online and in this auditorium would be here. And you have plans to bring forgiveness. You have plans to offer grace, to offer peace, to offer hope. Father, I pray that we would be receptive to what you have to say to us. And thank you. Thank you for coming for us. And I pray that you would give us the opportunity and privilege of telling others about what you've done for all of us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, New Cove. It is so good to see you. Thank you for making the effort to be here this morning. And those of you online, uh, thank you for uh, making uh, worship a priority. Uh, it should not come as a surprise to any of you who have attended New Cove more than one week. I counted a privilege to be a part of an amazing family. Two things I just want to kick off, and then we'll talk about something in just a moment. In case you missed it last week, we uh, through the month of November, uh, our Fresh and Christmas Child, we gathered boxes, we packed boxes, and New Cove topped out at 1,284 boxes, which is just incredible. And as we just got through singing uh, an amazing word, a, a song about Go Tell It on the Mountain, 8,988 people minimum will be exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ because of our continued uh, pursuit of packing boxes. Every single box has uh, the gospel presentation. Uh, children are invited and their families are invited back to uh, follow up and they are told the story of Jesus. And I'm just, it's just an amazing thing for us to be a part of that. Yesterday, uh, we, uh, our uh, resettlement team uh, helped uh, to fill an apartment uh, for our, those, our family we've adopted from Afghanistan, and they'll be moving in Monday, a family of six, soon to be seven, and uh, we have that all, all set. And again, I, it's just a privilege to be a part of a church that thinks locally, that thinks globally, and that we also are pursuing people who, uh, like those from Afghanistan, who just, they come in, have no, they know no one. And we have a family, uh, a, a family that needs just our love and our support, and new cubs all over that. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, the great news that I'm sharing with you this Advent season, regardless of whatever season you find yourself in, is if you embrace four aspects about this Advent season, it'll dramatically change how you face the, the seasons that you're in. Last week we talked about that everyone uh, that puts their hope in Jesus, the hope is not in a circumstance to change. It isn't that what we all want. We want our circumstances to change, and I'm no different than anybody else. Now, I've got a list a mile long. If you, don't, if, you, if you don't have anything on your list that needs to change, talk to me. I'll give you some. There are so many things, but the point is that circumstances change, and we never can put our hope in circumstances to change or remain the same. Uh, that's just a faulty way to live lives. And so the, the one message of, of, of Christmas and Advent and ongoing is the whole idea that Christ has come, and he offers hope for us. 
And uh, I want to pray specifically for all of us this morning that we will not be in a hurry to get through the Advent season, but we'll allow the Advent season to get into us. So let's pray together. Father, thank you again that you came for us and you came to us. And Father, I pray that as we look at what it means to experience hope, what it means to experience peace. Father, I pray that we would not just say new material, please, but we would embrace what you have for us. So, Father, I pray for everyone online. I pray for those of us that are here in person. Father, may whatever distractions that we came in with, may those be put on pause and may we encounter your presence. Would you speak to us? I pray that you would speak to me uh, as I even uh, bring forth the message that I believe you have for us. Father, may we be receptive and may we not just be hearers of your word, but may we do what it says. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week we focused on hope. I want to come at it uh, a little through the back door and then quickly move into our uh, next emphasis today. But we looked at Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created. And the point that we made was God did not craft, he created. He didn't craft out of nothing, literally out of nothing, he created. And then we looked in John 1, 1-4. In the beginning was the word, speaking of Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus and Jesus was with God. Jesus was God. Jesus was with God in the beginning. Through Jesus, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In Jesus was life, and that life was the light of men. And here is what we talked about. If Jesus can create something out of nothing, imagine what he can do in you and with you and through you. And as Tim Ginthy talked, said, it, it, the temptation is for us to just only use our heads and not involve our hearts. And this is just an important thing for us to, to embrace. What is Jesus? What is the truth? And if Jesus can create something out of nothing, imagine what he can do in us and through us and around us if we put our hope and trust in him. We closed out with Isaiah 41.10, and we looked at this picture. I'll let you ponder the picture for just a moment. So do not fear. What, whatever circumstance may come your way, whatever circumstance does not change, whatever circumstance changes, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, overcome, for I am your God, for I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And as you look at that passage, let me come at it from a different viewpoint than we did last week. So there are four things, five things. God is over you. He says, I am your God. So God is over you. I am 
your God. God is not just over you. He is by you. He says, I am with you. God is in you. I will strengthen you. God is around you. I will help you. God is underneath you. I will hold you up. The amazing message about Jesus and Christmas season is that God is over with you, over you. He is by you. He is in you. He's around you. He's underneath you. So where does that leave us? I heard it put this way by Oswald Chambers. Faith never knows where it's being led, but it trusts the one who is leading. And if the second phrase is true for us, it trusts the one who's leading, the first is irrelevant. Faith doesn't know where it's being led, but it trusts in the God who is over us, who's by us, who's in us, who's around us, who's underneath us. Whatever circumstance you may encounter, you don't know where life is headed, but you're trusting the one who is leading, and so it doesn't matter what circumstance may come because we're trusting the one who's leading us. Man, if we would just embrace that idea of whatever circumstance may come our way. That leads so well into our passage today. Isaiah 7 and Isaiah 9 is page 686 in the Bibles in the seat pockets. From you, know, I'll give you just a moment to find it because it is an amazing couple of verses I want to look at. Isaiah 7 verse 14 will be our first one. And then Isaiah 9 verse 6, page 686. 714, therefore the Lord himself, he will give you a sign, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, Emmanuel means he's with us. Again, whatever circumstance you encounter, God is with you. Look at chapter 9, verse 6 as we continue. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is just an amazing passage, Prince of Peace. This is Messianic prophecy, and the language is very precise, and he says... The government will be upon his shoulders, meaning everything will revolve around him. He is the center. He's the one who holds it all together. The government will be upon his shoulders. He's the carrier. And because of that, because of his lead positions and his ultimate authority, he rightly bears the great names we're looking at. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and the Prince of Peace. So let's look at each of those and see how that applies. Wonderful Counselor. The word wonderful in Hebrew means so full of wonder as to be miraculous. So full of wonder as to be miraculous. 
And not only, and that describes what kind of a counselor he is, the person who comes alongside and offers wisdom like no other. Who doesn't want access to a counselor like that? A counselor who's so full of wanting to be miraculous and one who comes alongside, doesn't shove, doesn't push, doesn't drag, but comes alongside us. And that is what Jesus offers us. He offers us hope and he offers such, such peace in that he is a wonderful counselor. And John 14, 6, Jesus said, and I will ask the Father, he will give you another counselor who will never leave you. This wonderful counselor will never leave you. You don't have to wonder if, if you mess up so much that he leaves you alone. He is one who's, who's a miraculous counselor. And he has wisdom like no other. And he's with you, he's in you, and he will never leave you. He's a wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God. The word mighty, it literally means the God who possesses might. So you can thank Webster for that one. That didn't help much, did it? The God who possesses all strength, who has it all together. The God of all might. What does that look like on a daily basis, especially in a season where some of you may be in a hard season? What does that look like for you? I love the message paraphrase of 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. And the, the, the lead up to that, Paul has, has begged God, literally begged, begged God at three different times, pleading. And if anybody has access to God, uh, it would be Paul, I would, in my opinion. The guy's an amazing guy. And yet he had this thorn in the flesh. He prayed three different times that God would remove that thorn. And here's what, here's what God said to him. And then, I to, then, and then he told me, my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. Wow. My strength, God's strength, the mighty God comes to his own in your weakness. So once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. Notice this. I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. And this is all about perspective, right? Where our focus is. And our tendency is to put our focus uh, horizontally. But we put our focus on circumstances to change, someone to change, someone not to change, someone to enter, someone to leave, whatever it is. For the deal to come through, for the deal not to come through, whatever it may be. And we have all these horizontal needs that are legitimate, but the, but the ultimate help comes from mighty God. And it says, I quit focusing on the handicap, quit focusing on the, on the weakness. He didn't say, I just ignored it. He said, I just quit focusing on it. That was not the driver of my life. And I began to appreciate the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving on in my weakness. Sign me up for that. He's a mighty God. He's a wonderful, so full of wonders, be miraculous. He's a person who comes alongside and offers wisdom like no other. And he comes into our weakness. And when we quit focusing on the handicap and begin focusing on the peace that comes in Christ, a difference is made. He moves on and says he's an everlasting father. Everlasting father literally means a forever father. Numerous families in New Cove have made uh, adoption a part of their lives. I had the privilege a couple of years ago of attending an adoption uh, service uh, 
event at a local courthouse outside of town. And the, the, the amazing thing, once this little boy was pronounced part of the family, the judge said, welcome to your forever family. Welcome to your forever family. We've talked about this, and we can come back to it another time. But in the, in the New Testament days, whenever someone was adopted, they could never be disowned. Once adoption took place, and so that's why it says God has adopted us as his own because uh, at that time, uh, historically, it, it, it was impossible for you to ever be disowned. Man, incredible. John 1.12, but to all who believed in him, who accepted him, he gave the right, he gave the privilege to become children of God. And then it culminates... In peace. He is a prince of peace. We've talked about BibleProject.com. Uh, it'll be in our reading uh, for us as a church as a takeaway, but I want you to get a glimpse of what is offered when the, in the word meaning peace. The word peace is common in most languages. People can talk about peace treaties or times of peace. It means the absence of war. And in the Bible, the word peace can refer to the absence of conflict, but it also points to the presence of something better in its place. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And in the New Testament, the Greek word is erene. The most basic meaning of shalom is complete or whole. The word can refer to a stone that has a perfect whole shape with no cracks. It can also refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps and no missing bricks. Shalom refers to something that's complex with lots of pieces that's in a state of completeness, wholeness. It's like Job who says his tents are in a state of shalom because he counted his flock and no animals are missing. This is why shalom can refer to a person's well-being. Like when David visited his brothers on the battlefield, he asked about their shalom. The core idea is that life is complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. In fact, that's the basic meaning of shalom when you use it as a verb. To bring shalom literally means to make complete or restore. So Solomon brings shalom to the unfinished temple when he completes it. Or if your animal accidentally damages your neighbor's field, you shalom them by giving them a complete repayment for their loss. You take what's missing and you restore it to wholeness. The same goes for human relationships. In the book of Proverbs, to reconcile and heal a broken relationship is to bring shalom. And when rival kingdoms make shalom in the Bible, it doesn't just mean they stop fighting. It also means they start working together for each other's benefit. This state of shalom is what Israel's kings were supposed to cultivate, and it rarely happened. So the prophet Isaiah, he looked forward to a future king, a prince of shalom. And his reign would bring shalom with no end. A time when God would make a covenant of shalom with his people and make right all wrongs and heal all that's been broken. This is why Jesus' birth in the New Testament was announced as the arrival of Irene. Remember, that's the Greek word for peace. Jesus came to offer his peace to others. Like when he said to his followers, my peace I give to you all. The apostles claimed that Jesus made peace between messed up humans and God when he died and rose from the dead. The idea is that he restored to wholeness the broken relationship between humans and their creator. 
This is why the Apostle Paul can say Jesus himself is our Irene. He was the whole complete human that I am made to be but have failed to be. And now he gives me his life as a gift. And this means that Jesus' followers are now called to create peace. Paul instructed local churches to keep their unity through the bond of peace, which requires humility and patience and bearing with others in love. Becoming people of peace means participating in the life of Jesus, who reconciled all things in heaven on earth, restoring peace through his death and resurrection. So peace takes a lot of work because it's not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives, our relationships, or in our world. And that's the rich biblical concept of peace. It's not just the absence of war or conflict, but it means complete wholeness the way God intended it to be. This is the prince of wholeness, the one whose peace will never, never end. It's a state, uh, shalom is a state of completeness, a state of wholeness. It's a state of alignment. It needs, it's a state of restoration. Jesus wants to bring all of this to us. He's a mighty God. He's an everlasting father. He's a wonderful counselor. And he's the prince of peace. Whatever circumstance you may come into or out of, whatever it is, he's offering all of this. If we will put our focus, quit focusing on our circumstance and focus on the one who wants to provide peace. He wants to do all of all this for you. He wants to do it in you. He came at Christmas to do that. Many those of us who grew up in Christian homes, you've heard of uh, the omni, omniscience of God, the omnipresence of God, the omnipotence of God. The word omni is a Latin word which means defines as in all wholeness. It is all. And so, just one other way to look at this, he's he's all in terms of he will lead you with his omniscience. He's a wonderful counselor. He will lead you with his wonderful counsel. He will strengthen you. He's omnipotent. He will strengthen you. He's a mighty God. He will love you with his unconditional grace. He's an everlasting father, a forever family. And he will grace you. He will give you the grace of... uh, of, of peace, the prince of peace. We have a God who's available. A God who's able to lead us, to strengthen us, to love us, to grace us. Imagine this God who broke into the world. Imagine if he broke into our world. Imagine if he broke into our situation today and he's just one prayer away. Let's pray together. Father, we so desire for wholeness to be a part of our lives. There's not a person in this room that doesn't want wholeness. There's not a person in this room who doesn't want to be led in an amazing way to be strengthened, to be loved. And one who is filled and overwhelmed with peace. Father, may we look to you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a prayer I would like to put up on the screen. 
and it's a response that any or all of us could pray. And it goes like this, Jesus, creator of the universe, I'm amazed that you would be willing to leave the glory of heaven to offer me eternal life. So I accept your offer to lead me, to strengthen me, to love me, and to grace me with your presence. I place my current situation in your hands. Take just a moment and allow that prayer to guide you this week. Father, we place our current situations into your hands. Father, I place my current situation into your hands. And I trust you and I thank you and I ask for your leadership, for your strength, for your, uh, your love to be accepted by me and for the peace to be everlasting that has nothing to do with the absence of conflict that has everything to do with wholeness. And I, Father, I, I commit my life to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. That would be an amazing prayer to pray every single day. If you haven't taken a screenshot of it, it would be worth doing that. To pray that as you start your day. Also, another way for us to uh, proceed this week in our Advent season. Our Bible reading this week comes from the BibleProject.com. It is uh, what we just saw, a taste of what you will uh, experience as you get onto BibleProject.com. And we're looking at the light of the world this week. And it is an amazing uh, tool available to us. The other thing, and I have uh, surprisingly held my enthusiasm until the end, believe it or not. Uh, We have an opportunity to grace Lancaster County with $10,000. Because of your generosity and your giving, uh, we have set aside $10,000 to be able to just have that infiltrate Lancaster County. And what that looks like is we're offering $100 to every family unit. Uh, when you leave this morning, uh, there's a table and you can just sign, uh, sign out. We'll hand you $100. And we want you and your family unit to pray and say, God... How do you want me to bless somebody? And it is, the reason I love this so much is it is such an act of grace, right? We don't deserve grace, but we are, we're called to go tell it on the mountain, so to speak. We're called to go and give grace. And so some unsuspecting person is going to, God's going to put in your pathway, and you're going to be able to grace them with a $100 tip or whatever it may be, whatever that looks like. We had some... Uh, last year at this, at this point, who just went walking through uh, Walmart and just said, God, will you lead us to the right person? And just handed the $100 to somebody and said, we felt like God wanted us to offer this to you. So there are all kinds of families who have come together and they've added money to it. We've had small groups who have put, uh, combined their funds together. Let God lead you, but let's be the uh, not just recipients of grace, but let's be the ones who give it as well. So as you leave this morning, uh, you can uh, get that online. We have not left you out. We have held some aside, and uh, you can make an appointment with us. Uh, uh, we'll have a Brinks truck out front for you. 
Well, not quite. But call, you can call the office or go to office, new, uh, office at newcovechurch.org. Set up a time to come by, and we'll be happy to uh, share the, the $100 gift as well. It'll be a great opportunity for us to see the grace of God. So uh, thank you, New Cove.